Well, here we are again, back at the Conflab with Nate Cartledge, which is me. Hey, I'm so humbled and stoked to have you in this space with me today. Let's tap on in. All right, before we get started, we just want to thank our great friends at Studio 6 Burley on the Gold Coast. They are such a great support to me and the Conflab helping us get this out to you all the time. So if you're a content creator, if you have a a long-term podcast or you're looking to start a podcast or you need a studio for anything, reach out to them at Studio 6 at Burley on the Gold Coast. They are amazing. Thanks again, guys. So good to have you. Um, We're just going to jump straight in. Iggy um, McGowan, thanks for being on the Conflab with me this morning. Hey, from wherever you are, from wherever you're tuning in, we're just like to have... um, your ears and your eyes today. We've got a very special guest. It's a mindset mentor, and we've connected through Carlos Bishop, uh, the Burley Barber. Uh, a bit of a shout out to him. You want your hair cut? He's a good man. He's a good man. That's you want your hair cut? Get down there, Burley Barber and Co. on West Burley Road. Very good friend to a lot of people and doing some phenomenal work in the mining industry and stuff as well. You know. And saving people here. What a great podcast that was. Oh, it just blew my mind. Yeah, it really was. It was great. Yeah. Mate, great to have you here. And uh, I'm looking forward to this next, t- um, however long it takes for us to get your story out. Excellent. Great uh, to be here. So I'm just going to jump straight into this, Iggy, and I'm just going to give everyone a little brief snapshot. You know, Iggy grew up in uh, New South Wales, Goulburn area, moved to Wagga, had lots of struggles as a, as a kid. And one of the things that stood out to me in his story, and when we were sitting down sharing before this, before we even decided we're going to do a podcast, was was how you viewed death from a very, very young age. So we want to jump into that stuff. But before that, I just want to give everyone a snapshot. Iggy is an incredible mindset mentor that has decided, made a, a, a momentary decision had an epiphany one day on the back of something happening in his world around his family to change everything and what I love what he says about and it says this in his website as well as what he he gave to me and what we've talked about is he decided to purify his life and we've spoken at length about the fact that there's relativity about everyone's journeys and Iggy's journey we can sensationalize because there was a lot of gangster stuff involved there was a lot of um, fighting and there was a lot of bravado and all that involved and we're not about sensationalising what's wrong in life but we're about sensationalising where people make this transition for it through metamorphosis, through the journey of the caterpillar to the butterfly and quite honestly we, we want to make sure that's echoed and so Iggy spent a lot of time fighting, uh, MMA style fighting and some boxing. He's done a lot of professional fights he was knocking guys out that were a lot older than him at the age of 16 and a lot heavier than him. And, um, mate, I'm just proud to have you here because what you represent today, not necessarily what you stood for then, but what you represent today. You want to say a few words to our listeners and to your listeners? Yeah, look, it's it's great to be here. Great to be able to share uh, my story with people so that people can get benefit from it. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm all about is you're sharing, yeah, the journey that I've been through and my transformation and my main message to people is that anything that I've been able to do, anyone can do. You know, I've been at rock bottom. I've been at absolute rock bottom and come out the other side. And 
yeah, anyone can do that. Anyone can come back and be greater. I like that. Everyone can come back and be greater. And there's, there's this whole theory in life, I think, that's born by society, which is so wrong that suffering wears you out, that the life suffering, the, the stuff that we choose to go through or life just happens to us, wears you out so you can't be greater, but you just made the statement that you're strengthened through the battle for the battle. There's no other way, Nath. It, it makes you better. Yeah. That's it. It is a conditioning. Yeah. You know, it makes you stronger. We need challenge. Challenge is built into life for us. It creates a chemistry within us. That's how we grow and develop. And I always explain it to people, it's like a sparring partner. You know, you, you don't get better sparring someone that you're, that you're better than. You want, you want someone that is more advanced, that is putting you under pressure, that's, that's hurting you, and you have to grow. You have to get better. And that's how you advance. And that's what life does for us. Yeah. It delivers the challenges, the challenges, they don't stop. So there's something that everyone can look forward to. Yeah. They, they don't stop. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. But you don't want them to stop because we need them. But what can change though is how we meet challenge. Mm. So it's it's our response to challenge. Rather than being, you know, seeing it as as, as defeating you, seeing it as being so stressful and overwhelming and I can't deal with it and blah, blah, blah. You can train yourself to be able to meet challenge in a joyful way where you're excited by it. You say, this is great. Okay. This is making me better. Bring yeah. it on. Wow. What a mindset that is. Like, and, and it seems to be a resounding message from a lot of our guests. It, it takes me straight back to Geordie Chennery, who's a, an ultra marathon runner and a really good friend of mine. Um, what he stated in the in the podcast, which we did together, was finding calm in the chaos, finding that place of, and and you said joy, and I love that word joy because joy does not mean happiness. No, and that's one thing I'm not a fan of happiness, okay. believe it or not. Tell you me know, about that. Well, no, because you get people going on about happiness, and happiness is dependent on what's happening, whereas joy is to rejoice. You can rejoice in in the midst of chaos when thing. During destruction, you can still have an inner sense of peace and joy, knowing that this is a part of things working out. This is making me better. Destruction births creation. You can align yourself to that knowledge, and that's what it is. It's not any belief or positive thought. That's knowledge. You can align yourself to it through that way of thinking, which then creates that way of feeling, that feeling of joy, and move through that chaos, move through that destruction with balance to then come to the creation, come to the the next stage of it where something wonderful comes about. The but gen- it's not it's not happiness, you know. Happiness, no. it's fleeting, you know, whereas that joy can be maintained all the time. I think I heard Mo Gordet say that happiness really is explained this way, happeningness. Mm. It's what's happening now, not centred. It's the trying to look for something in the now outside yourself rather than finding the true contentment that you've got what it takes to handle what life is about to dish you mm. and put on the steely resilience and the smile on your face and go, come on, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Well, happiness is it's, it's external, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Everything has to look a certain way. When it looks a certain way, then I'll feel okay. Yeah. Then I feel good. Whereas joy, it, it's an internal thing. And again, then you're not dependent. You're not a victim. Yeah. You're not dependent on circumstances or 
what other people say or do. You have control over your own state and you're able to, again, move through challenge in a, in a balanced and joyful way. Yeah. And that's really what a warrior mindset is, is to be peace in chaos. Peace in chaos. It's to be able to master conflict. And to master conflict, it comes down to mastering that conflict within yourself, which all begins within your way of seeing things. Yeah. Uh, so I like that, uh, that way of thinking is that a warrior mindset is completely different than what a warrior, a parent a warrior in society may have seen once before. Mm. You know, a warrior mindset is someone who stands up for himself, who knows he's dangerous but doesn't act on it. Uh, yep. Jordan Peterson says that. You know, we've, we've lost the touch that men are dangerous mm. and we need to be dangerous. We need to know what's within ourselves and go, I choose not to exactly, do evil. When you are capable of destroying someone, yeah, it removes the fear, right? People get very fearful. If, if someone doesn't know what they're capable of, if, if, if they don't have the ability to defend themselves or defend their family or stand up for something, then they're afraid. They're afraid. And so because of that, they'll react out of fear. Whereas when you get someone that, that does know what they're capable of and they absolutely know that I could destroy you, but I don't need to. Instead, I can remain calm and I can educate you. Yeah. Do you find like before, <laughs> we've, we've jumped straight in and it's fantastic, but do you find we were talking a minute ago about calm in the chaos and finding peace, the warrior spirit, peace through the trauma, peace through the pain, peace through the conflict, peace through the suffering. Let's just call it peace through the battle because life, and I, I don't, you know, I don't want to put a dampener on people and think they're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips because they, that's not life. It's not reality. I mean, I, I lived that way for a long time thinking that I was charmed because of who I was, who my father was, because of all this stuff. But it, it wasn't long before, you know, God went, yeah, you got to get humbled one way or another. You know, choose to do it or I'm going to do it for you. And I learned that suffering is good. It's actually stretching me. But what you were talking about is having this warrior spirit, having this peace in amongst the chaos. Do you find, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you find that you can see your way through better? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole point is to is to have control over how you're seeing things. You know, that's the gift that we've all been given. Yeah. Is we create our experience through our perception. And some people can choose to see things as happening to them and see things as going wrong and awful and that's going to create a chemistry within the body. That's one sort of experience. But we have the gift of also seeing it as, no, this is happening to my advantage. There's an opportunity in this. You know, you can get two people looking at the exact same thing happen. One person go, this is terrible, it's awful, this is the end. And the other person go, this is great. What an opportunity. Let's, let's go. Mm. The exact same thing. Two different experiences. What is it? It comes down to perception. Perception. The voice in the head. It's you know. perception, like how we see things from a particular angle, uh, whether you know it's from a trauma or whether it's from, like you said, like calm in the chaos. That's it. Look, it is. It's response. It's you know, resp- and, and that's it. That's responsibility, isn't it? Yeah. The ability to respond. What's this going to mean to me? And it's mean? like with, with clients that have been through you know, traumatic experiences, I mean horrific. Is some of the greatest transformations I've seen are people that have been through horrific things. And what I say to them at the beginning is that, you know, we can't change what happened, 
but we can absolutely change what it's going to mean to you, what you're going to do with it moving forward. Mm. And that's where real change happens. Yeah. Is that acceptance of responsibility and then a new choice can be made yeah. in moving forward. Sounds very much like we're we're changing the power of the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, life has no meaning, does it? It's it's neutral. Everything's energy. We have that gift of of defining it. We get to choose what it what it means. Yeah. You know. I think we spoke about this when we caught up. It's that it's like you say life has no meaning, but that's an external thing. But we are the purpose. So we can actually make it to what we want it to be. We can design it to what we want. And for everyone out there who's listening who's who's not living a designed life, well, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's something that needs to be investigated. I think you you just, you don't want to be stuck on this rat wheel of doing the same thing the same time all the time. You know, there's ways of shifting that. And Iggy is uh, a guy who helps people constantly do that. All right, now it's time. I think we should just jump back a little bit. And Iggy, when we caught up, and this is the part of the story, we're going to quickly fleet over this and get straight into everything that you're doing now. Yep. But there's some things that really need to be built here to show people. And I, and I even like what we do here in the Conflab, and I say to people is, your people know you at a particular point, but this opportunity over the next particular amount of time that we have and when this is released, people who listen to it, your people who listen to it, will be able to intimately connect with you deeper. And so there's parts of relativity that are good and there's parts of relativity that are bad. So we're just going to jump back. Mate, you were born in Goulburn, around that area. You grew up and my father-in-law was actually dropped off at the orphanage that your family looked after. Yeah, right. But after it was, um, you know, it was derelict, after they, they removed everyone from. Yep. From there. One thing that you said that stood out to me is you had suicidal thoughts at 10 years of age. And I know that you were diagnosed with a few things as well. But what, what was that about? So how I would explain it is that I just didn't see any point in living. I, I come from a great family, great upbringing. So it's not like there was anything that had happened to me. It was I just felt numb. And I, I, I observed things. I remember as young as 9, 10, just looking at life and looking at how people operated and I thought, what's the point? We 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 live, we get older, we accumulate things, then we die. <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty bleak, doesn't it? But, but that's that's this was, yeah, at that nine, nine, ten years old perspective. And so, yeah, I would at times, you know, yeah, we we lived, we were caretaking this old St John's orphanage, over three hundred rooms, absolutely massive. They were wonderful years. We ended up being there about. Six years, yeah. And I had a room at one point, which was on the second story, next to this giant statue of Saint John. And I'd get out onto the ledge and stand, you know, next to the statue, and just like look over the edge and and contemplate jumping. And it would just give me a sense of peace. And yeah, that's that was just a, uh, something that I remembered from back in those years. One of the reasons why I really wanted to bring that particular thing up, and there's a f quite a few of them. I mean, I'm going to bounce through it pretty quickly. But the one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that thing up and is that you were born into a really good family. Your, both your parents, they were, they were great people, and you experienced a very good ho family home life. And 
I wanted to bring that point up because I do believe some kids are born with stuff. Mm. You know, it's not all what we see. Yeah. It's something sometimes within us that just yeah. needs to be understood maybe better yep. than saying it's a, a suicidal thing, but maybe it's understood better. And later on, we can see that all you want to do is fight. Yep. And that experience made you a better fighter. Yep. So that was the only thing that made sense to me in life as that young boy was martial arts, was fighting. I was just drawn to fighting. And, you know, watching Bruce Lee, Van Damme movies and, I started karate at a young age. That was all they had in town. I'd always wanted to do Muay Thai. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't have that in town. So I also had like a, a four-foot boxing bag at home. So I was either doing karate after school in the classes and then at home I'd just be trying things out, practicing stuff on the bag at home. But it was like it was my best friend. Yeah, wow. And it was all that all that made sense to me was that was movement. You know, I, I felt that sense of peace when I was when I was – hitting things. And then when we moved from from Goulburn to Wagga, on the first day that we got there, I had mum drive me around to every gym, every PCYC and whatnot looking for a Muay Thai. That was, that was my thing. I was like, we're moving towns. I didn't care that I had to, you know, make new friends, start a new school. None of that. I didn't care. I was like, this is my opportunity to find Muay Thai. Yeah, right. And – so we went around to every gym, every PCYC, and there was there was nothing but like karate, taekwondo. There was like all these other things that I wasn't interested in. And we came to the last gym, and the last gym was a weights gym, workout gym in Wagga. And we pulled up out the front, and Mum said, "This is this I'll have to do, darling. This is the this is the last place. I'll have to head home after this." And I was like, "Okay." So I went inside, and I wasn't that hopeful. But went in and there was a business card on the counter. It said, Jason Lightning Lee, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. And I was like, yes. I was like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, golden <laughs> ticket. Go, you found it. I was like, this is great. So I went out to the car. I'm like, yes, mom, I got it. I got it. So yeah. I called him and it was fantastic. Meeting, meeting Jason, my first trainer, who was like an older brother figure, a mentor. It was like the first person I felt understood me. Wow. So before that, I felt like an alien. You know, I was, I was popular at school and, you know, schoolwork and, and sport, everything like that came easily to me. But I still did not feel like I fit in. Yeah. And I felt like no one understood me. But then meeting, meeting him at, that was at, at 15, I'd just turned 15. And I was like, wow, I'm not alone. There's someone gets me. Yeah. He was 10 years older, but I just, so the combination of him and how he operated and having Muay Thai, you know, being able to train toward fighting, uh, it, it made sense to me. felt like home. So, yeah. yeah, from there I would I would train, you know, four hours a day, like an absolute machine. Wow. And started fighting very quickly and – Yeah, I noticed yeah, that, 16. Yeah. So there's lots of great ways into the sport now like these days for kids, like there's lots of – and they'll pathways do it on and stuff. Yeah, lots of pathways, which is fantastic. But I love the way that I came up because none of that existed back then. It was it was just – there were men and it was just fighting men. Wow. I didn't see anyone else my age around on the circuit. And at 16, I'd be there across the ring from some tattooed up man and I'd, I'd knock him out. And I was like, wow, this is, this is great. 
you know, it was tough, but it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's your school. Um, and how far did you go with fighting? Like, where, where, what was the pinnacle of fighting for you? The pinnacle. There was there. Like was, you've look, had some. Uh, you've had some records. You've had some belts. Yep. That, that championships you've won. Yeah. Yeah. Look, so there were there were lots of great highlights. Um, you know, one, you know, standout, you know, great opportunity that I had was fighting for a company called Infusion, where I fought in Thailand, okay. super heavyweight eliminator. Uh, that was a you know, that was really great. There was, there was a documentary-style TV show filmed around it that was aired in uh, over 100 countries what, through what, Europe. What was that called? Infusion. Oh, that was a, um, the name of the doco. That, that's the name of the company. Yeah, it was called Search for a Super Pro. Ah, cool. So it was, it was really great being a part of that and, yeah, being able to have, like, all the interviews they shared, you know, different parts of the different fighters that were, that were in the tournament you know their background, and then it all came together on the night for you know for fighting. So, so that was the highlight, the sort of pinnacle of what you had done. It was just a wonderful experience, you know, to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. 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 And do you still? Do you still? Get I'm not. A, I'm not fighting now. No. Getting no. the gym, still spar. I'll. I'll always train. Yeah. I'll always train. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I'm. I'm not fighting anymore. Yeah, there's some great Muay places on the Cold Coast too, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, alongside. That fighting comes another lifestyle as well, mm. and and sometimes we can live in a way that it's because of acceptance, because we're actually desiring belonging, and it's one of the basic human needs is belonging, along with connection, love, and connection. Which I got on my t-shirt today, love. On the back it says connection. So there you go. It's a great shirt, mate. <laughs> Thank you. It's from a, a dear friend down the road with a little shop called Love Connection. And but along with that life, like we. We, you said it like you finally felt like you fit it. Someone mm. understood you, and and my point about we can be born with stuff because you had a phenomenal family, but then you found Jason, who actually you fitted in with and you belonged to. We give up virtue and integrity and character when we want to belong, and that's. I, I remember listening to actually it was before we even started the podcast. I was driving south with with me and my daughter and we listened to this podcast by Dear Khan um, and talking about she infiltrated the white supremacist movement in America and talked to them how they how they actually got people in, how they made and it was it was really interesting to understand that belonging, making a, a young person feel like they belong is really important first because most of them will give up all the rest of their virtues, integrities. And so the reason I'm saying that is along this lifestyle of fighting and being a part of that that world came another world. Yeah, look, the, the other world, the other things that I was involved in, you know, for those that don't know, I had a very colourful past. There was like a, you know, over a number of years where I was involved in a lot of criminal activity and it was, what was appealing to me about it was that it made me feel something. So for so many years, I, d I didn't feel anything unless I was fighting. When I was fighting and training, it was like I had laser-like focus and I felt something. I felt alive. Not like some extreme high that people would, would think, but I just I felt something. So it was like I wasn't dead inside. Yeah. Now, if I wasn't fighting, then, you know, the, the fight scene in the criminal world would crossed over a lot. There was a lot of things involved in that with whether it was drug dealing, debt collecting, standover stuff. It was they, – they, they cross over and – I, did, I found it appealing. It, it came naturally to me. 
and I would put myself in these situations and, and do these things because it made me feel something. So I don't think that it was about belonging at all. It was more that it would, I just, I, it made me feel something. Okay. And it took many years for me to understand why that was. But why those two experiences, whether it was fighting or doing these, you know, yeah. life endangering things, it was that it forced me into the present moment. Yeah. Okay. So I had a lot of energy as a kid, but it was, I wasn't yet in my body. I hadn't inhabited my body. I wasn't present. So when you're fighting or when you're doing these other things, you have to be present. If you're not present, you'll get smashed or you'll, you'll get dead. You'll get taken out. It's yeah. that simple. And so I was drawn, I was <laughs> Pretty drawn black to and white it. it. It really is. So, you know, I remember my older sister, who, who Tess, who passed away, she, I remember over these years through my destruction where she would just say to me, she was so patient, so understanding, so supportive, no matter how much I'd, you know, been off the rails. And she would be like, why? Like, why are you, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know at the time. I was like, I don't know. It just, just feels something. Mm. So to others, they would think, oh, that must make you feel some big rush or, yeah. it, it, but it wasn't that at no, all. It was, it was just got me to baseline. Back to baseline, yeah. Yeah. Once I discovered this and, and understood myself and, and life and my mind more than I was able to no longer be dependent on these things or anything. I, I, I eliminated all the things that I was dependent on mm. and cultivated presence within myself mm. through daily practices, daily rituals, and I conditioned myself to be in my flesh yeah. so that then I could make my, my days a meditation and be present. Well, that is awesome. Um, I, I, I do understand what you're saying, and, and I'm glad that I was wrong about the belonging thing. That's pretty relevant for a lot of people, though. Oh, 100% it is. And, and yep. However, I, I like what you said about it because I think there's a lot of people who struggle, a lot of kids would struggle with being present and being here now. And you, especially maybe it was a way, because once again, and I hate this where kids are diagnosed. The yeah. word diagnosed, is, it, gives me the, it gives me the shits because… It's a label that's slapped it's a, on. It's a limitation. Look, I had that many times over myself, Nathan, and… And was able to break free from yeah, all of it. There right. were these different different labels and yeah. and then medications that came along with it. Yeah. So to, to be able to break free from all that. But I see it daily in my work with people. Yeah. And these kids that they're, they're given a label and they're told, You're this. You are you do this. You, you are, are this. exactly. Yeah. And then they say to themselves, I am I dot dot dot. And they right. create an identity around it, that's which right. then obviously forms their life. Yeah. So that's one of the wonderful things that I love about my work is being able to work with people, especially with young people, yeah. but with anybody. I see it with adults as well, people in their 60s that had an identity created from labels that were put on them that they then accepted and took on, mm. and it has ruled them and limited them their whole life. Yeah. So to be able to then break free from that and create a new identity, to yeah. be able to purify how they see themselves and then how they live is wonderful. Yeah. And it's such an important piece. Identity was the way we started all this. And it was my understanding that I have been given everything that I need to do all that I was created to do while I'm here. Yeah. And so my identity wasn't Nathan Cartledge. It was Nathan. It wasn't Nathan White Australian. It was Nathan. Mm. It wasn't Nathan, a Collingwood supporter, which I am, by the way. Um, it was Nathan. Yeah. And and who is what attributes does Nathan have? And 
understanding recent studies have shown that kids are born with 400 psychological traits and we need to just find our way and negotiate our way through it. To, rather than being diagnosed with this or that and told, well, this is who you are. Yeah. You, you know, and that happens way too much in society. So well done with the work, mate. I want to go back to one more place before we get into the new yep. stuff. And it's really important because you made a promise with your mum. Yep. And I think that every young man should make promises with their mum to always answer the phone whenever the mum rings. It's a really important like, – and, I, mate, I really honoured your mum. Yeah. When you told me this, like I was almost in tears and I honoured your mum for it because I understand the power of a mother when it comes to a son. Yeah. And, like, I've seen it with my own son and I've, I've probably desired it in my own life, but always answer the phone. Can you tell us Yeah, sure. a Look, little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So – how that uh that agreement came about was because I was I was off the rails I was up to no good you know I always worked a a a normal job I was always training people in Muay Thai and boxing and I was even doing aqua aerobics I was an aqua aerobics instructor okay. for seniors I ran some classes like that that's amazing and working in the gym so I did that during the day but then when it came to the night time I was in the other world. I was doing extracurricular activities, right, <laughs> that were very colourful. And when I'd be out doing, you know, these things and my phone would ring and it was it was mum and, well, I wouldn't want to answer it because there was guilt, there was shame around what I was doing. I was embarrassed about, you know, what I was doing. And so I wouldn't answer. And then when I would see my mum, you know, the next day and she would say, I need you to answer the phone. I can't get to sleep at night if you don't answer the phone because I'm worried. I don't know. If something's happened to you, I don't know if you've done something. And I'm like, oh, but I'm embarrassed about like what I'm doing. She was, she said, I won't ask you what you're doing, but if you please just answer the phone so I can ask, are you okay? Can, and we, then, just, can we just pause there for a yeah. second? Yeah. I just want to highlight something that I think um, your mum, what's your mum's name? Bernie. Bernie. Um, a big shout out to Bernie because what you just did was – Take away the ability for a young man to feel shame around his mum. Yeah. And that is one of the most powerful things a mother can ever do is not let their boys feel ashamed about who they are and what they do Yeah, rather than connect. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so fortunate. My mother is is so wonderful. Yeah. You know, so, my, both my parents are. Yeah. And I've had this, this relationship with my mum. And, and look, it meant the world at that time to know that I wasn't going to be asked about what I was doing. It it, it wasn't mum wasn't condoning what I was doing whatsoever. No, I knew no I, no. I knew com- yeah. up absolutely where she stood. Yeah. I'd been raised with with great morals and values, and I had that strong foundation. Why did I still go and do these things that I did? I had to. There's a, there was a, something in me where I had to go through those things. Obviously, I understand now. Like it's made me who I am. I had to do it. I walked these paths where they all had predictable endings. It's like I, I should have been dead nine times over. It's yeah. no exaggeration. At least nine times I should have actually been dead. and But I'm still here. And it, why did I have to go through it? Well, to know firsthand, not to read in some book or do some course through university, but to know I've lived it. I'm living proof that you can change, that you can come through the other side. Yeah. My ability to work with people now, because I, I get it, I understand. And again, not from reading something, 
because I've lived it. Lived it. So there is that. And I'm there saying, hey, I've done it. So can you. Yeah. Let me show you how and I can walk them through that. Yeah. But that from my mum at that time, you know, to be, as you say, to eliminate that, you know, that shame and bring down that wall so that then I would answer. So from that day I said to her, okay, I'll always answer. So I could be, who knows what I've what been doing or where I'd be. You know, I could have just done a job and, you know, it'd be in the middle of something and mum would call and I'd answer, hey, mum, how are you going? She's like, hello, darling, how are you? And I could be, you know, around some pretty wild people and they were like, is that your mum? And I'm like, it's just mum. I'd have a chat with mum and I'd be like, yeah, mum. And I'd even put her on speaker. Oh, so-and-so's here. So-and-so's here. And she'd be like, oh, hello. <laughs> so lovely and just understanding. And, and then I'd say, good on you, mum. Have a good sleep. I'd hang up and they'd be like, you're loose. But there was this, there was this safe, open communication that yeah. was there, non-judgmental, which then enabled me to be able to deal with what I had to deal with. Yeah. And so, so, so there was that. My, my um, perspective. My perspective of it is that your mum made you, almost made you make a promise to yourself. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that built some resilience within you because you couldn't not you could not break that word to yourself anymore as soon as you turn your mum's phone. Mm. And so, obviously, this led to what you were leading into. So the the time where, you know, I'd I'd always suicide was still there. Yeah, it it would it had always been an option for me. You know, to it was like the ace up my sleeve that I can always opt out of this. Out. If it, I can always end things. And there was a time in Sydney where things were were at rock bottom. You know, my work I was glazing at the time, and you can work, see through that career, eh? Work had yeah, work had work had <laughs> work had dried up. A relationship had ended. Things things were, were weren't good whatsoever. I'd. I'd cut off communication with people or I just I hadn't been answering calls and whatnot and because uh, I felt like I didn't have anything good to share and so I was I was not in a good place whatsoever and it just got to a point where I just decided that's it I'm done and so I'd rigged up a car out the back in a back street there in Sydney and I drank a bottle of spirits and had a handful of sleeping tablets and got in the car and had it on it was gassing myself just waiting to go for the big sleep and after about 10 minutes, my phone started ringing in my pocket. It was one of those old little Nokia phones. And I, I didn't even know that I had a phone on me, but it started ringing. So I was fumbling around in my pocket and I pulled it out. And then through blurry eyes, it said, Mum. And I was like, oh, I've got to an answer. And I thought, I'll just get this call over and done with and then continue on, go for that big sleep. And I answered, but it was my dad, and he was just being so lovely. He was, he was like, I hadn't spoken to him in in ages, you know, because I, I didn't feel like I had anything good to share. But I've answered. He was like, "Oh, mate, I'm going to come up and visit you tomorrow." Now they lived over five hours away, and I was like, "No, no, no, not tomorrow." He's like, "Yeah, mate, I've got the day off work. I've I've filled up the car. It's facing out the driveway, mate. I'm going to be up there tomorrow to visit you and." He was just being so nice, so lovely, and I couldn't talk him out of it. And I was like, "No, no, leave it till next week. No, no, tomorrow's not good," because I'm thinking I'm seeing this through, and I I can't have my dad show up to find my dead body. Yeah, but he wouldn't take no for an answer, and he's like, "Mate, I'm going to be there in the morning, so make sure you're there, okay, mate? Make sure you're there." 
and I hung up the phone and I just I broke down, turned the car off and stumbled upstairs and passed out on the bed. And yeah, so I'm still here. And we know there's a bit more to that story. Yeah. Um, your dad turned up the next morning and your brother, who you hadn't seen for ages, was with him and they just packed you up and said, no, you're coming home. Yeah, look, they were, they were there. So I woke up, you know, still, you know, very out of it, having, you know, consumed what I had. And, you know, I went and met them in a car park. Well, I, I went to meet my dad there. And then with that, my brother, Raf, jumped out from the passenger side. And I hadn't spoken to him in even longer. You know, and he was, again, just being so lovely, so supportive. He's like, hey, how you doing? He's come up and I was like a zombie. I was like, oh, yeah, yep, good. Anyway, and they said, look, mate, we've actually come to take you home. Come be around family. Come be around people that love you. They they had no idea what you were going through, though. No, not the full extent of it, no. no. You know, where it came from, so... They they packed things up, got in the car and headed down the highway. And the next night I was sitting at the kitchen table with, with my mother. And so no one else was around. We're sitting there and mum said, now I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to tell me the truth. What were you doing last night? And I said, don't ask me that, mum. I couldn't lie to my mum. There was just disagreement. She said, tell me, what were you doing last night? I said, I was killing myself, mum. And the look on her face, the these tears. Now, I've seen my mother cry a handful of times in, you know, my whole life. You know, and one was when my older sister passed away. Another was when a, a dog, a German shepherd was put down who was, you know, it was like family. And that, that, that reaction that it caused within my mum, that upset, that hurt, that pain that I saw was like a huge slap in the face that just woke me up i was like i had myself convinced that i was doing the best thing for everyone like i was i was absolutely certain so and you, I, you thought you were a rash on the face of society you thought that it was i thought i was family I was a, and life would be better absolutely off. absolutely that I, I was convinced of You're, that like I, I that was it and i i knew that it would be best for everyone that's what i had told myself that's what i understood and it wasn't until that very moment sitting there with, with mum that, that that shattered that. It shattered that idea. Yeah. And I was like, like the last thing I wanted was to hurt her. The last thing I wanted was to upset her in any way. But that's how irrational it is when you're in the thick of it. You, yeah. it is, everything's black. You can't see any different. Yeah. And then that moment changed that. And I, I said, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll never do it again. And she said, if you did that, it would end me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. I'll do whatever it takes. And so I made this promise, this vow to myself, to my mum, but to myself that no matter what, I would do what it takes, that suicide was no longer ever an option. Yeah. That that was it. I was done with that. It had always been an option, no more. And that's where I really begun understanding myself more. You know, I saw numerous counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, whatnot, but I always continued to study the mind and apply things. I would take things, apply it immediately because I knew that that, that wasn't yeah, an well, option anymore. That was a part of your life anyway. Like learn, applicate. Yeah. Like and, that's, and that's, that's a big, fighter. That's discipline. That's yeah. what it is. Learn, applicate. Absolutely, Nathan. That's that's. I get asked from people all the time, oh, how long did it take for you to change? Or, you know, oh, yeah, but you're different. I can't, you know, you're a freak. You know, the, the discipline that I have around 
around my life? And I'll say, no, it's it, it's application. If you take things and you apply it, you get the result. Yeah. It's that simple. I see people constantly entertain things intellectually. You know, people will be information gatherers. They'll read all sorts of things, do all sorts of courses and whatnot, and they'll regurgitate things, but they don't apply anything. And yeah. because of that, they don't get the result. Yeah, knowledge is nothing without application. Mm. It doesn't turn into wisdom until you apply it. Yeah. And even then, I think, I think application, adoption, and action. Personally, I think like, okay, I can apply this, then I can adopt it, and then I can action it and make sure it's working. Yep. And so, like, knowledge is just like there's so much knowledge out there. Like, I constantly say, like, I can't read any more books. Mm. I'm full. Yeah. There's stuff in me that needs to come out, and I keep shoving other. Look, it's it's so good, a hundred percent. You know, and it's it's like people with eating. It it interrupts digestion. There's no actual absorption of anything because they're constantly eating, constantly grazing. Okay. Because of that, they're not getting that proper nutrient uptake. That's awesome. but it's the same just with yeah information gathering. You know, the body is the book. Yep. You know, it's like that old saying that you want real, can we real just, wisdom. Can we just say that the again? The body is the book. Yeah, the body is the book. There's this inherent knowledge within us. Everything that we need. It's what you said at the beginning. Is that everything that we need, we have access to within us. Yeah. Through presence, you know there there is knowledge within our blood, within the cells of our being. Everything, everything we have access to it all the time. But people are stuck in their head, too much thinking, too much looking, looking outside of them rather than awakening that knowledge within themselves. Yeah, what do you need? Mm. Yeah, what? No, no, not not. What can I show you? What do you need? Do you know what you need? Yeah, that's. I think that's a journey of of identity is finding out who you are. What like. What do you eat? Mm. You know, what are you good like? And that's been my journey over the last year and a half is like, what am I in that in that aspect with nutrition and food and stuff like that? Yep. I, look, I, I want to close the chapter on, on the past and yeah. talk more about the future. I just want to say one thing, though, not in a corrective way at all, but understanding like when you say, if I've, got, if I've been able to do this, um, you can too. Mm. From my observation of our conversation, you've survived nine near-death experiences. And, and, you know, people do die, um, but you're not meant to at the moment. Mm. You know, you're meant to be here. So my thing with this is that you've gone through stuff so people don't have to. Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, there's yep. there, you, we talk about that we don't want to sensationalise a gangster spirit within the community because it's wrong. Uh, we want to sensationalize a warrior spirit within a person because that's right. Yeah. But then there's certain people that I've met in my life that have gone through things that I can glean from so I don't have to go through what they went through. Yeah. And that's wisdom. Wisdom mm. applied by other people. Like it's, it's like, hey, holy smokes, you did that. Mm. Can you teach me because yeah. I'm struggling with this little thing? Yeah. And um, I believe that was the journey of Jesus. Like he actually went through – you know, if you want to look at history and archaeology and everything, what he went through was relative, so we didn't have to. Mm. For yourself, what you've journeyed through, and you say, so if I do it, other people can, but I would say because you've done it, other people don't have to. Yeah, you know, and that, that is what I'm here to do, you know, is guide people to this position of power, this position of balance within themselves, Yeah, to give them an understanding of themselves and of how life works. So that they don't have to live in suffering. Yeah. And 
yes, it was necessary for me to go through the things that I did. I went the long way around to come back to things in a more simple and purified way. And that's my work is reducing things, purifying things, simplifying things and delivering that in principle to people so that then they can apply it and not have to go through all those things that I did. Yeah. They can it's, – it it's like a shortcut. Shortcut, yeah. Yeah. And, and which is – which I think there's certain people put on the planet to do that is to go through those journeys and of understanding and experience to help others take the shortcut because we should be standing on the shoulders of giants, not not travelling their same path. Yeah, look, I, I really agree with you in what you're saying. The moment that it became clear to me, or when it started to become clear to me, was it was when my older sister Tess, who was dying of melanoma, she was diagnosed, and in the nine or ten months leading up to her passing away, I moved down to Sydney. Mm. I was living on the Gold Coast, moved down and nursed her in those months leading up to her passing away. And I was in there every day, you know, for for hours, hours on end where Tess was deteriorating and going through horrific pain where no amount of morphine or any painkillers were even touching the sides of the pain. And then, you know, every couple of days or every few days, I would just have to get out and go for a walk and just to keep a foot on reality. Yeah. Uh, and I was going for a walk in front of Bondi Beach and this was nearing the end of Tess's life. You know, it was a couple of weeks before she passed and I was going for a walk and I was really doing some contemplating and I was just thinking, why the am I still here? Why am I still here? I kept asking that question, why am I still here? I should have been dead so many times over. I didn't even want to live. Why am I still here? And someone as beautiful and like saint-like as my sister is is dying. Why am I still here? And then it came to me, it was an epiphany. I just had this, this realisation. It was, you're here to guide people. And it was as clear as anything. And soon after that, my mind raced back in and thought, who am I supposed to guide? Yeah. No, I don't even have my, my life together. And But it was so clear to me and apparent that it, I'm here to guide people because I've lived it, because I've been through it, because I should have been dead nine times over. And the fact that I'm still here, I'm here to guide them through the other side because I, through experience and get them there so that they don't have to go through that themselves. Yeah. Well, I couldn't uh, champion that opinion more. Um, I do. It's obvious. That's obvious. And so moving forward, you've had a lot of teachers and we spoke a little bit about it. You've had some European masters of different medicines and uh, different ways of thinking, and you've, but you've developed your own thing from that, which is a really important thing. Is like because I think it can be just regurgitation. Yeah. And if you were given the privilege to guide people, then it's very important for you to be you in this process. Yeah. And so tell us about you, and yep. like I would like to say, who is Iggy now? And tell us about this process that you've developed to help people shift their mindset away from complete, and I'll say it, complete failure to complete success. And that's not a dollar value. That's uh, an innate value. Like I look at my success like this, that my older children want to hang out with me. 
that doesn't mean that I'm cool to them. That means that there's something about me that they want. Yeah. And so that's how I would appear successful. And so I, don't, I, I just wanted to say that to take away people would go, well, failure is on broke, success is on wealthy. Rich, yeah. rich, money, rich, which yeah. is not, you know, that's not even real wealth. No, no, no success is, is making progress, you know, making it's, progress. it's development. And that's what we're here to do is, is transform. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's the purpose of, of life is our transformation and growth. So, yeah, what I do, I've been very fortunate to have great teachers in my life. And a lot have been of, of what to do, but also of what not to do. Yeah. So there's been, you know, people with their shadows. I've taken the things that have been delivered to me, different principles and understandings, and I've applied it, as we said, through discipline. I've applied it and then expressed it in my own way. And that's the same with what I teach people is I'm not teaching someone to be like me. I'm, I'm delivering the principles and understandings, the tools, for people to be able to apply and express it in their way these principles of mastery and i give the example it's like martial arts you have principles stance agility flow power spirit and from those principles techniques come and there can be so many different techniques you can get someone that is is masterful at at fighting and they might try and teach someone to fight like them yeah and it's ugly i've seen it with people i've seen it with some world champion fighters who okay and and in, even in their gyms where they train everyone like them, but the style doesn't match whatsoever. It can be a completely different makeup, com- completely different build, and it doesn't match up. But when you teach principle, people can then apply that and then they express it in their own way. Yeah, does that cool. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. It's what school should be full of. Yeah. 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 So that's what your learnings are and that's what your teaching is. Yeah. These principles of mastery – Principles of understanding the mind and how life works and being able to align your your way of thinking, your mind, to that inherent pattern and move with it so that you maintain your balance and are able to deal with challenge in a beautiful and powerful way. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote this out before that understanding the mind can create all sorts of scenarios and we become what we most think about. You know, thoughts create feelings. Feelings create behaviours. Behaviors create what we build, and so how does this translate over to what you do with, as a mindset mentor? How does that whole thing, like understanding that our thoughts may be the ones things that are creating our life? Yeah, uh, definitely. So that's what it's all about is is getting people to, to get back into the driver's seat to come back into what you are. So what we are is eternal. What we are is spirit consciousness the collective intelligence, God, call it whatever you want, but it's but stepping back into that and being able to observe your thinking, observe the way that you've been operating, observe your sense of self, and then from that position to be able to then correct it because people's ego, it's their, their identity is so often, and it'll be this way for their whole life, so often it's an external conditioning that's happened it's what they've been told you know it's back to the labels you're this you're no good oh you're so annoying you're this and then a young you know little timmy takes it on and tells himself that's who i am and it goes on and then because it's repeated so often yeah it becomes this ingrained conditioning and people play out their life like that so it's this stepping back and then through awareness 
being able to observe where there's flawed thought patterns and erosive habits, and then be able to consciously create powerful change, consciously create who it is that you wish to be in the world. So my work with people is really a process of death and rebirth. Okay. I walk people through that process where it's allowing the the old sense of self, that old identity, these old erosive habits, these destructive things to die and fall away. And in that, with death comes rebirth, there's a creation of a new way of operating. And this time it, it's it's more powerful. This time it's it's done consciously. It's like who do you wish to be? Who do you really desire to be in your life? What are the qualities? What are the values? What are the things that are, are important to you? How do you want to operate? Mm. You can create that. It is a choice. Yeah. What are your values? Yeah, I saw you, some of your values. One of them is integrity. Number one was responsibility though, Yeah. which I really like the idea of that because what you're saying, and this is what we need to do enough, is rather than just hitting the, you know, do it, set, repeat, you know, like the same thing is yeah. if we were able to take a step back and Viktor Frankl was really one of the smartest psychologists, I believe, you know, he did learn from Jung and, and a few others, that he would say there's a space between stimulus and response that shows our growth and freedom. And that's one of my favourite quotes, by the way, because it's actually enabled me to go, is take a step back rather than reacting to this, is is my behaviour about to serve the person I want to be or is my behaviour about to serve the person that I was? And that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Exactly. It is. That's the, the awareness. The awareness. So that space is created, for example, something happens, I can take a breath to interrupt the, the thought pattern, which then would have generated that emotional reaction. And then that space enables me to create a new response, okay. a balanced and more powerful response to what is happening. Yeah, that is aligned to who it is that I actually desire to be. Yeah, Does that makes sense. No, totally. Yeah. How much work does it take to like understanding that our brain is full of neurological pathways, which is the old habits, the well, the habits that we create. So, how much work does it take in this space that you do? to break those neurological pathways and recreate new ones? What's It comes down to the work that is put in, yeah. how things are applied. Like yeah, I've seen definitely. magnificent changes happen with people in such a short amount of time. Like one woman that comes to mind who experienced her- horrific abuse, sexual abuse within the family home and had been hospitalised numerous times over, had been through all sorts of psychologists, psychiatrists and whatnot and had gotten nowhere and this went on for many years to then within a three-month period working with myself completely change, completely set herself free. It's so inspiring like to see that sort of change and then within a six-month period it'd be solidified and, and there. Now why? It was her application. It's a testament to her taking what was delivered and and applying it and reconditioning herself. Applying it, adopting it and putting action around it. Exactly. And that and along with that goes the complete change, meaning the the whole physiological response yeah. that is trauma, which all begins in thought, to then be able to recondition, reprogram the body. So in answer to your question, the mind is completely malleable. It's it it change can happen. Another woman that comes to mind was in her sixties and had been told even by doctors that oh that you won't be able to change now. No, it's, it's too, you're, you're too old, you know, your, your mind can't change and 
again, within a three to six month period, completely changed. She had operated that same way her whole life in mid sixties that, that her whole life and had no self-esteem, no self-worth had felt so limited, constant anxiety, set herself free, Wow! applied things and it all turned around. So it doesn't matter what age you are in answer to your question, how long does it take is like, are you willing to do the work? There you go. Yeah. I think that's the same with anything. And that like, like you've echoed so many times that, that fighter training's obviously given you the ability to go, well, how much effort are you going to put in? How disciplined are you going to be for this change? Yeah. Because I think that's something that is, is is probably almost more difficult to do in the mental space than it is in the physical space. Mm. Well, there's so much distraction and so much stimulus out there. But when you understand that the mind is no different from the body, okay. that it's through discipline and repetition, yeah. that that's how, how do you create patterns of movement? Physically, through discipline and repetition. How do you create new neurological pathways? Through discipline and repetition. It's what you are saying to yourself repeatedly, what you're giving your attention to. When the dots were joined for me and I applied the discipline from fighting and training to my mind, that was what changed everything. I brought it all together. And I was like, man, if if this is what it takes, then I'm going to hardwire myself. I'm going to reprogram myself. And so I would be... Doing these daily practices, whether it was writing things out repeatedly, whether it was saying things to myself, different statements, and, and so on and so forth. But that's what the big difference was. I was like, I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. I'll put in the work. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually amazing, mate, because we we can't be lazy with this stuff. The mind is so powerful. And, you know, one of our uh, people that we both look up to, Peter Crone, um, says disease in the disease in the mind ends up being disease in the body. And how much of that has been transformed by what you do? How Look, much? How much physical effect does fixing the mind that you've seen on other people? Oh, look, I've I've seen it countless times. Yeah, like, and so a lot of my work over the years has been physically with people. I I did many years of of training people in fighting, boxing, Muay Thai. And also doing physical treatments. It started with napropathic treatments, a massage and adjustments. And then I had a, another teacher for many years where I learned meridian therapy and from a Euro, European traditional medicine base. And when treating people, it was it's the correction of thought. Everything begins in the mind. So you can open up different pathways and correct things within the body. But ultimately what really had to change is, is the mind. And it's the same again with physical movement. It's It all begins in thought. So it's really the mindset and the understanding that then reverberates through the body. Yeah. So, yeah, disease and imbalance, it does all begin yeah, with the mind. Yeah, well, well mate, um, I've, I've uh, exhausted all my questions. Not that I had questions. I just wanted <laughs> to see how it all went. Yeah. It's been so good to have you here today, Iggy, and, and like, I would like you to just bounce some advice out to everybody before we wrap this up. Yep. So my main message to people is that you can create change no matter what, no matter your situation, no matter how bleak things may seem, no matter how long you've been doing it, you can turn it around. Yeah. You can change. Yeah. With the correct understanding and the right practices, you can turn everything around. Where do people get the correct understanding? 
they can come and see me. Oh, <laughs> well, that's what I was hoping the answer would be. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, there's so much misinformation, and it's like the blind leading the blind out there. Yeah, and it it really is. And then people are wanting to do well. Like a lot of the people that come and work with myself, they've been through so many other avenues. You know, whether it's self help things, different life coaches and psychologists, psychiatrists, hospitalization, all sorts of different avenues. And they're at this point where they, they're open and ready to just hear simple principles. Yeah. Simple understandings that then they can apply and they get the result. I'm here to guide people to complete power within themselves. It's not some external force. It's not some more information or anything like that. It's you have everything within you. Yeah. And once you're aligned to that and you understand these principles and how to operate from that, then this great knowledge awakens within you. It's it's coming back to that place where you purified yourself, isn't it? Mm. You purified yourself from all those other things and went, what is within me? And uh, anyone can have that. And that's what you say. Anybody can have that. Yeah. But uh, get a good mentor like this guy here. The, I asked you for three tips to uh, to building a healthy life pattern, which, which is what I would call is building a clean mindset. And the three tips that you gave us was to start small, be consistent and slow grow it. Yeah. And uh, we say here in the Conf Lab, dream big, start small and trust the process. Mm. It's a very similar. So I thought, oh, that's that's a fantastic little thing to have is what, whatever it is, start small. Like, But have a dream around it. Hey, you're like, where do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What what can you see yourself doing? You know, don't add ridiculous comparisons like we might see on Instagram or yeah, other I social see, media. Look, I, I see people overwhelm themselves yeah. a lot when it comes to wanting to make change because they will compare to others and they'll think, how am I ever going to get there from where I am? Yeah. And because of that, they end up using it as a convenient excuse to not have a go, to not yeah. do anything. Yeah. But that's why I break it down to people in absolute simplicity. There's nothing that I teach that isn't practical. I'm all about what works, yeah. not airy-fairy things, but what gets the result. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about simplicity. And when you start small, then it makes it manageable. And you're able to then be consistent and it starts to develop a pattern. So everything is about patterns. It's mm -hmm. everything that we do. And then you're able to slowly grow it over time. But that starting small is is so necessary. But yeah. it's it's through the small that you affect the whole. Yeah. It's it's that slight shift, whether it's a slight shift in perception or an action that you're taking, what you're choosing to eat, how you're breathing, how you're moving, that has this tremendous reverberation and alters the whole. There you go. Well, I would say if you want to if you want to know where to start, reach out to Iggy. Uh, all of his stuff will be in our show notes. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Iggy McCowan. Yeah, just add Iggy McGowan. Iggy yep, McGowan. Or jump on my website, iggymcgowan.com. Yeah, hit him up. Um, chase this man down. But if you want to know somewhere to start today and we think there's a big dream and you see it and you're comparing to other people, start with love. Start with loving yourself first. And loving yourself first means getting around people like Iggy and, mate, I'm looking forward to building a deeper connection with you. You've been a great guest today. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. It's anything great. else you want to say to everyone? I know I asked you for, for some advice, but anything else you want to say to everyone before we check out? No, there's just that's it, that you're up to it. You're up you to can it. do it. You can make change. Love it. You know, that's it. Yes. Don't settle with limitation. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week.